This episode of Parenting Great Kids is brought to you by NHCPS. Friends, four out of five cardiac arrests and medical emergencies happen at home. That's an 88% chance the life you save with CPR will be your child, spouse, or friend. NHCPS.com is an online CPR certification provider where you can become CPR certified for free. Learn CPR for free with NHCPS.com. Just go to NHCPS.com slash Meg and use the coupon code Meg at checkout. That's coupon code Meg at NHCPS.com slash Meg. For 30 plus years, I've seen every type of child grow up. Instead of giving me what I wanted, she gave me what I needed, which was truth. Don't let emotions win. Let truth win. Do your very best, and you should have a lot of fun while you do it. And the better you get at something, the more fun you're going to have at something. You moms and dads are wired with everything you need to be a parent to a great kid. Welcome to Parenting Great Kids. This is episode number 41, The Hope of Adoption. I'm your host, Dr. Meg Meeker. Friends, this is a very special episode, and I'm so excited to share it with you. November is National Adoption Awareness Month, and this is a cause that's very dear to my heart. It's also a cause very near and dear to the heart of multiple Grammy and Dove Award-winning artist Stephen Curtis Chapman and his family. As many of you who are familiar with the Chapman story know, the family has adopted three precious girls from China which was the catalyst for the creation of a nonprofit organization that has served many thousands of adoptive families through grants and care services. I'm honored to have this opportunity to share with you a very special interview I did with Stephen Curtis, his lovely wife, Mary Beth Chapman, and their biological daughter, Emily. Their story is both beautiful and painful and filled with all the ups and downs that many adoptive families experience throughout their journeys. Parents, remember, don't just download episodes, click subscribe. When you do that, you're joining my parenting revolution and every new episode will automatically show up in your subscribed list. And we'd love for you to write us a review on iTunes. Let us know what you think. Also, not only are we on iTunes, but the Parenting Great Kids podcast is also available in the Google Play Store and on Stitcher. So no matter where you get your podcast, subscribe today and don't miss a single episode. Friends, it seems like we can't get through a news cycle without hearing another tragic story about a victim of bullying. A child who's beat up, taunted online, or in worst case scenario, has even committed suicide because he can't take the pain anymore. Bullying is more than a problem. It's an epidemic that's taking a toll on an entire generation. Something that used to be limited to the schoolyard and cafeteria is now possible to do anywhere, anytime with technology and social media. Cyberbullying is now just as common, if not more so, than face-to-face bullying. And this digital age has affected our children psychologically in ways we're only now beginning to understand. Whether the bullying occurs in the school or online, parents often feel helpless in this realm. What can you do? How do you protect your child? How do you prevent him or her from being a victim of bullying or from becoming a bully? But as a strong believer in parents, I don't think you're helpless when it comes to bullying. To help you navigate this crucial subject, I've written a special ebook, Bullying, What Every Parent Can Do About It. In this ebook, I discuss topics such as bullying at school, cyberbullying, what you can do if your child is being bullied, and what you can do if your child is the bully. To get your copy of my bullying ebook for only $2.99, go to megmeekermd.com slash bullying today. And when you use coupon code bullyingpodcast, I'll give you an extra dollar off. Parents, bullying is an epidemic. But it isn't hopeless. Go to megmeekermd.com slash bullying and get your ebook today. So parents, thanks for listening. Grab a cup of coffee and enjoy this very special episode of Parenting Great Kids with the Chapman family. Well, Stephen and Mary Beth and Emily, welcome to the podcast. Thank you all so much for being on with me today to talk about your work with adoption. Thanks for having us. We're excited to be here. Yes. 
I want to direct my first question to Stephen and Mary Beth. You know, many people have come to know and love your family through uh, the years of Stephen's music. But what many may not know is that you're very involved with adoption. And in 2000, your family took a turn and began the adoption process of three daughters over time from China. And many people aren't familiar with your personal story and what prompted you to adopt three children or any children when you already had three biological children? Well, uh, that is a long, amazing story because I am the one who tends to ramble on and on, and my wife is much better at doing the concise Reader's Digest version. I'll let her uh, take that one. (laughs) So, yeah, okay. So, in 1997... Um, our oldest daughter Emily, who was on this podcast with us, with us, um, she and I took a trip to Haiti with Compassion International, and um, it changed both of our lives. And we we came back from that trip, and our 11 year old at the time, Emily, basically said, "We have room at our table. We need to consider opening up our home to a child who does not have." the mother or father. Mm. And Stephen and I thought that's so awesome that her heart, you know, the capacity to love and and see the world in the way that she had on that trip, you know, happened, you know, at that time. And so we told her that was a great idea for her when she (laughs) grew Grew up up and had her own family, you know, one day. And, um, but with great persistence, many letters written to us, um, Emily was our resident theologian even when she was teeny and she would write us letters and just ask us to pray and, you know, wrote contracts with her brothers and had them sign as witnesses and, you know, oh, wrote, us a, wrote us a letter that said we may be living in disobedience to God if we don't consider this. <laughs> it, was, it was full court press. So um, what that did, I think secretly Stephen was praying that our family might um, enlarge, you know, through the through the miracle of adoption, and, and quite frankly, I was really fearful. I was fearful of my own heart, my own capacity, and to love, and all of that. And so, what I did commit to do is pray, and through the course of many miracles and God speaking to us and just very clearly showed me that it was something that we needed to step forward in. And so we walked towards adoption and that resulted in us bringing Shohanna home and then Stevie Joy home and Maria. Mm. So that's an amazing story. That's kind of the short version of a lot of things that, that happened during that time. So, Emily, I'd like you to chime in here if you could. So you're the 11-year-old who's writing letters to your parents. I've never met an 11-year-old who has so (laughs) persistently written letters to her parents to bring more kids into the family. Can you talk to us about what it was like being in fifth or sixth grade with this burden on your heart to bring more children into the family? Yeah, you know, after the trip to Haiti, as an 11-year-old, I had met a lot of children my same age, you know, that were navigating life without mother or father in the picture. Um, and so I started, my head kind of started spinning and thinking, what would that be like to sort of have to navigate life and live life without the support systems that I just take for granted? And so came home really um, passionate about helping however I could and at the time didn't know exactly what that looked like but there was a friend on the trip and um, we went to church together and their family was heavily involved in foster care and had adopted a couple of children domestically here and I just kind of latched onto that and thought okay well if we can't go live in Haiti and help what I wonder if we could expand our family through adoption and so yeah it just started there was something that was just burning in my heart and I knew I needed to continue to pray and advocate um, how I knew too at 11 years old and so that was writing letters and convincing my parents that I would help and that the boys would help and so that's where the contracts came in because I had to convince them that we would all pitch in <laughs> and um, <laughs> and we have we've all pitched in um, but yeah just I reflect now um, as an adult who has children of my own what was happening at that age and sometimes I wish I could get back to how fervently I was praying at 11 years old mm-hmm. um, for something that I believe so deeply in my heart was what God had in store for our family. 
But I think there's part of that childlike faith, you know, in that in that moment that I just was really convinced of something and nothing was going to stop me, even a mom and a dad at that time that thought, this is crazy. What is she talking about? <laughs> and I continued to pray and uh, it was certainly the Lord who changed um, their hearts and kind of moved in our family toward toward this because dad's career was very busy, continues to be at the time. Um, and so it was a lot to, to kind of start over in a sense. My youngest brother was nine at the time. And so we kind of started over with the girls in terms of a family, but we all pitched in and it's one of the greatest blessings mm-hmm. of my life. I'll chime in just real quickly because I've thought about this a lot as I've been singing my songs and, and telling my story uh, on tour night after night. I'm kind of in an interesting season right now with, with my music and I'm doing a lot of having written my story recently, uh, released my autobiography called Between Heaven and the Real World. And uh, just telling the story of meeting Mary Beth and then our children and then adoption and all of this, kind of remembering it and reliving it and retelling it night after night uh, with music. I've been singing a little bit of the song I wrote for Emily when she was about this age. It was a song called Fingerprints of God that I wrote really as she was kind of just going through a lot of trying to figure out if she was beautiful and not feeling that and, and just uh, wanting to encourage her. But it's interesting as I sing this song now, and I, I look back and see how God's fingerprints were, even in ways that we didn't even realize, on Emily's life and heart and moving us in a direction that we didn't even know at the time. That song is, is it's so fun to sing it now because I even realize uh, more as I look at the work of Show Hope, I look at the, the, our own story of adoption, and all the ways that uh, God's hands have been uh, on and working through uh, Emily's life and, and our family in a pretty profound way. So way to go, Em. Way to go, Love Emily. You. you know, and, and as I sit here, I think your oldest daughter's five, right, Emily? Uh, yes. Ha-ha. Is. Just wait. I know. I know. <laughs> I think. I, know. I think there's been a couple a couple times that Em's looked at me and said, "I hadn't." You know, now that she has her three little girls, yeah, no I, idea. You know, she'll, she looks at me and she's like, "Mom." I had no idea what I was asking you and dad to step into. No idea. <laughs> no idea. No. Now I have a little bit of a snapshot of, you know, what must have been reeling in your mind that you were going to start over. Yeah. <laughs> but the wonderful, crazy. But the wonderful part is that what, what Emily could bring was the absence of fear. She had, because she didn't know what she was really asking, she had no fear. There was just a pure boldness. And shouldn't we all approach life in many ways that way? Oh, certainly. Without that fear, but it's that childlike. I also want to stop and say something to our listeners. This is the beauty and the goodness and greatness that that can live inside of an 11-year-old child. You know, their heart is so open to listening to God, to believing and going. Whereas we adults are so, well, wait a minute, I, you know, I need to think, I need to... But, but mm-hmm. you know, in a culture where we, we look at pre-adolescent kids as hard to live with and hard to deal with, you know, look at the beauty that, that mm-hmm. is in them as well. And I, I just think that's a fabulous, fabulous story that this young right. little child in your home brought so much blessing to you all. We also can't discount what God does in an 11-year-old that we can't see. You so, I wish... I could see how God sees time. You know, it's not this linear, it's not this linear line that just kind of runs from point A to point B, but I think it looks a whole lot more, you know, crazy and how, how all of his time fits. But, you know, now we fast forward and this wasn't, you know, Emily in a moment of time saying, you know, I've had this experience and now this is what needs, you know, this is what I want, you know, out of it. It's, it's, it's shaped her for the rest of her life and she's 31 years old now she you know grew up okay this is bragging mom moment now she you know grew up went to Baylor University got her degree in international studies met her husband when she came back here they moved to Ireland for three years she got what they went to Bible college and she got her master's in theology you know fast forward three little girls later she's now the vice president executive assistant director at show hope um, which is the organization that Stephen and I founded in order to help more children and so that experience of an 11 year old God worked 
just all the way through time to, you know, have this for her now and just to see those fingerprints now, just where she's at and how we get to work together day in and day out in this thing that we love. That is our heartbeat of our family. It's quite amazing. And so really God's movement in her to want to adopt is, was just the the beginning of a bunch of um blessings that we're just going to have a huge ripple effect throughout your family your community the world her family but that's so god i mean that that is is. that is just so cool so mary beth you said that early on after your trip to haiti and emily was writing letters that you had some fears what were your fears and how did you get over them I had a good friend who they were walking through adoption and a lot of foster care and loved their hearts, loved what they were doing. It was quite often that I would imagine myself in that situation, adopting a child into our family. And and quite honestly, I just didn't believe in myself. I have a lot of fear in how I parent anyways. (laughs) And so I'm just, I was just thinking, if I bring a child into our family and I want to be, you know, fully there, fully mom. And I was really, really fearful of how I would attach that child, how that child would attach to me, all the fears that I think families have when they're stepping into this thing called adoption. Although I didn't know what it all was at the time, I've learned a lot since our journey through adoption, but I was just scared. I was I was really scared that I wasn't going to be able to do it, you know, just a thousand percent, you know, fully there. You know, I've had a number of my parents of my patients express to me before adoption that they're, one of their big fears is they won't love their adoptive children as well as their biologic children. Is right. that a fear exactly. you had? And then how did you work through that? Sure. I remember early on when I really got a sense, as I was praying, I really got a sense that God was asking me to trust Him and to take steps. And that I might not see fully how the story was going to play out. And obviously, if any of us watch our stories, you know, if we could see our stories play out, I think we would all just sit real still <laughs> and not go anywhere because of all the things that happen in our stories. But I I felt like God was just saying, just take another step. Trust me. And then we're going to take another step and just trust me. And through our early days of adoption, I used to say it was almost like we walked up to a Walmart and those electronic doors would just fly open as soon as you stand on that, you know, mat. Yeah. That's yeah. how that's how visible God was making the path for us towards adoption when we first when we first adopted Shohana. It was just so obvious that God was just saying, take another step. And, you know, we would step and then just this th- this amazing, you know, part of the story would happen. And it was no doubt that God was moving us, you know, toward that. At the same time, in my mind, I'm going, I, I don't want to be like, I, I want to be able to give my heart fully to a child. And I am afraid that I won't love a child that I adopt like a you know, like a child that I give birth to. And I just kept trusting God. I thought, if God's asking me to trust him with the story of adoption, then I'm going to trust him with my parenting as well. And I'm going to trust that that love's going to be there and that it's 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 going to show up at the right time. But I was, I was very fearful of that, very fearful. Did God come through? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Um, I think... Uh, Emily and, and Stephen obviously yes. were all de- <laughs> we were all together we were all together in China when the elevator doors opened and this little bundle you know came you know they were carrying Shoei down the hallway and I was about ten minutes before Shoei was placed in my arms I got Caleb and Will Franklin <laughs> and Emily together and put them on the bed I mean I was in the hotel room and I just lined them all but looked at them and I said. I do not know what's getting ready to happen in the next 24 hours of our life. And I said, just remember mom loves you. <laughs> I don't know what, I don't know what I thought was going to happen, but I thought maybe I was going to like run away. Just always remember our, yeah, our family's getting ready to change. I just want you to know I love you guys so much. And obviously when they place Joey in my arms, that thing that supernaturally happens, first and foremost, it was an encounter for myself. I finally got it through my thick head how God sees me in my own adoption story. Mm -hmm. Um, They put Joey in my arms and she had um, a blanket that I had sent to her, but everything else was pretty ragtag and very spoke loudly that she did not have a family. And there was nothing about her that she did or that she was that 
caused us all to immediately love her, but they handed her to us. And in that moment, she became a Chapman and everything that is ours became hers. And I, I've told a lot of people since that moment that I am a firm believer in life of, of all life. And I, I don't, I think it's the greatest privilege when my first three children were born that, I mean, how, how we look at these little people and go, God's so magnificent in his story of creation. Like how can we doubt a God when you see that two humans can make this little person, you know, that comes from us and how amazing that is. But I tell people all the time that I think it's more of a miracle and it's more of a God story when, you can receive this child into your arms and they immediately become yours because it mirrors the story of God's adoption of us. And so the supernatural thing that happened when Shoei came into our family is something that I needed for myself and for my own story of salvation, of redemption, of God sees me, you know, as his, regardless of what I bring. And so, yes, to answer your question, it got taken care of in a in a nanosecond <laughs> it was it was all good in a magnificent way well that makes us all understand what has compelled you or brought you to create uh, show hope which is your nonprofit adoption organization and you started that in 2003 um, you know you have helped provide homes through adoption aid grants for over 5,000 children from more than 50 countries. Is that something that, again, was God's work through Emily, or was that more of a family vision, or how did that come to be? I'll, I'll tell my version <laughs> real quickly. Yeah. This is Basically, how, God overfixed yeah. us. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This, is, this is how uh, it, it happened, uh, as, as I observed. We, we came home with Shohanna, and um, it was very quickly um, that we were approached by people who began to say, uh, I mean, at the airport, having come home with Shoei, we had people saying to us, you know, we would love to adopt someday. We're so excited for you guys. This this stirs something deep in us because we would love to adopt someday if we could just afford it. We just can't afford it right now, but um, hopefully someday we'll get to experience this. And having come, you know, having gone to China and begun this journey, uh, with this fear and, and you know trepidation that Mary Beth is talking about, and now coming home with her heart being just on fire to try to rescue as many of these children, you know we walked through Shoei's orphanage, we looked into the faces of so many of these little ones that seemed to all be looking up at you know Mary Beth, especially saying, uh, you know, do you know where my family is? Can you go? Can you go find them and tell them where I am? And she started multiplying that out in her mind. This is these are you know a few of the millions of children that are like this, waiting for their story yeah. to begin. And then we land on the other side of the big pond, you know, in, in Nashville, Tennessee. Um, and here, families are saying, "We would love to bring a child into our family. We just can't afford it right now." And so, you know, my wife just immediately said are you kidding me that's that's all that's stopping you well how much do you need here let's let's write let's yeah. write you a check you know and, and and literally on the spot started kind of saying call me let me get home get unpacked let me get you know get settled but but let's talk let's we we got to do this we got to help you uh do this and that is it really how uh show hope originally shohanna's hope because our daughter shohanna her name is shohanna hope um was was it began there with just realizing there is a there's a need and there's an opportunity here um and honestly what i did is you know i started looking for and asking around with our friends from adoption agencies in different places where is the organization that gives help to families financially helps families that want to adopt but just need some help to get that process completed and there wasn't one not a not one that we could find so it was literally out of that that we began helping one family, 10 families, a dream of helping 100 families uh, through the adoption process uh, with financial assistance. And, and and here we are talking, you know, about approaching 6,000 uh, grants now that, that we've been able to be a part of, of giving. Yeah, but that's where it all started. Parents, I hope you're enjoying my conversation with Steve and Mary Beth and Emily. We need to take a quick break, but don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Parents, we all hear about the trouble kids are getting into with digital devices and social media all the time. 
As a parent, what can you do to protect your kids? As a parent, it may not be possible to police all their activity, but it is possible and crucial to create intentional time for your family to connect without electronics. Introducing Off the Grid. Off the Grid is a family activity that makes it easy and fun for parents and kids to discuss their values and experiences with social media, online safety and responsibility, while learning about each other. To play, families simply silence their phones, put them in the box, take out the question cards, and go off the grid as you take turns asking each other questions. Off the Grid makes it easy to talk about boundaries and online safety, all while answering some fun questions that keep it just that, fun. Questions like, can you take too many selfies? Or, if you can invite a famous person to dinner, dead or alive, who would it be? What would you ask and what would you serve them for dinner? Or, are there things you do on your phone that you hide from family members on purpose? Off the Grid makes it easy and fun to spend less time on screens and more time having conversations as a family. Go to offthegridbox.com and enter promo code MEG to receive a 20% discount through December 15th, 2017. You know, there are a lot of people listening to the podcast who are thinking, uh, boy, that sounds nice. I've, I've thought about adoption, but I don't know. You know, maybe money is an issue. But when we think about adoption, we're adoption, adopting in into the United States from different countries around the world. What are the major obstacles, aside from money, that many parents face in the adoption process? Is it our government? Is it other countries' governments? Um, Because I know every country is different. Some will allow adoption, some won't. Have you been able to navigate? Obviously, you've been able to navigate those obstacles fairly well. Certainly, um, there's there's many obstacles. Um, Em, do you wanna you wanna talk a little bit about that? I think outside of finances and time, it's a big commitment um, in terms of paperwork and kind of getting ready for the process. Um, yes, certainly, our government has regulations. Other countries uh, working collaboratively with the Hague Convention um, that adds kind of a level of protection, which is great. Um, and much needed in the uh, particularly inter-country adoption process. Um, but because of that, there's a lot of rules and regulations which are necessary but kind of add to the time. Mm-hmm. Mom, do you want to add? Yeah, we show hope, you know, founded in 2003, our our underlying hope is that we can also be an organization that is really known for best practices mm-hmm. And so adoption can be hard and difficult when you're when you're looking outside of the United States. I mean, it's obviously difficult when you're looking at adopting domestically here in the United States. Um, So we are real intentional with our families and we try to help point them to countries who are operating within that Hague Convention. That just gives a level of protection because there can just be some, you know, adoptions that happen that aren't ethical and so we really look for countries that are operating under the standards that the Hague set forth. Can you tell us what some of those countries are? Uh, yeah well they've they they um, fluctuate you know some become Hague accredited I, I call it a spotlight you know the spotlight kind of shines on some countries that go okay we're, we're doing pretty good adoptions here and then it kind of shifts around but right now one of the biggest countries that we do adoptions through is China um, obviously our girls are from China so that's a big one. South Korea. South Korea. Obviously, the United States, we don't have to worry about the head because it's domestic. Um, we, up until just a few months ago that we did, uh, we allowed a lot of grants with families who were adopting from uh, Ethiopia, but that is no longer um, possible, right, Em? Right. Oh, so you can no yeah. longer adopt part from of, Ethiopia? Part of the Hague. Well, the sort of the civil affairs office in Ethiopia um They've kind of put a halt on exit letters for children from Ethiopia, um, or they've said that they will only issue exit letters that are um, no's. And so that kind of, 
I mean, more or less ends the process there because they're not approving any children to leave the country right now. You know, families will go, will, they'll get in a process. And, you know, again, we're not an adoption agency. We're, we're only the facilitator of these adoption aid grants. But it's really heartbreaking because families will get in these um, situations where they're going down one direction and then, and then the country right. closes. And then they have to look elsewhere. Um, India is beginning to open up and they're Hague compliant. So we're starting to see um, families who are adopting from India. But it, it just it changes all the time. And we we really try to point our families and to agencies that are doing best practices and and countries that are doing best practices, because we really believe that ethical all the way through is is what needs to happen. Haiti, Haiti's Hague approved, Bulgaria. You can find information on the State Department's website. Uh, there's an Intercountry Adoption Bureau of Consular Affairs website that you can see all the different convention countries there. You know, I've seen a number of children in my medical practice who have come from different parts of the country. And it's always astounding to me how different the experiences are of the children who have come from different countries, you know, how well they're taken care of or how poorly they're taken care of. Do you steer parents towards certain countries and away from other countries that might be Hague approved? Or do you just sort of let the families and the adoption agencies handle that? I will speak to this. Um, yeah, so the sh- so we come in, Show Hope comes in um, at, a pro- at a little further on in the process. And so in order to apply for financial assistance through Show Hope, you are already um, working with an agency and home study ready. And so we are really relying on the agencies in terms of sort of vetting families and informing families on certain countries or what kind of their experiences are with their um, processes in those countries. Uh, We certainly have our own experiences and opinions around um, where we've seen stories we've seen um, of children coming home from certain countries. But I think the most important thing for us at Show Hope that we are trying to speak with grace and gentleness into the um, adoption advocacy world is that we understand through child uh, psychology and brain development that every child that comes home through adoption, whether that's um, home from the hospital with their family that is um, adopting them or whether that's after months or years in institutional care that every adoption does begin with the trauma of being separated from birth father and birth mother. And so we have to counter our way of journeying with these children in their stories and in life um, differently than our children uh, maybe that are brought to us biologically. And so um, I think it's important for us at Show Hope to recognize that regardless of country, all these children come to us with their unique needs that demand our uh, awareness of and our response to in a, in a way that might be different than we're used to. So that, I think, is the more important thing than what country necessarily is providing best for their children. Yeah. Would you say that the majority or how the adoption places are are split and divided. Do you help with mostly U.S. adoptions, mostly adoptions from China, or is there a pretty equal split of all different countries? Currently, right now, in terms of our financial assistance, the grants that we're giving at Show Hope, our majority, about 40% of our applicants are adopting from China. um, And all those adoptions are um, children with medical needs or special needs, because that's the adoptions that China are currently doing in our country. Um, and then behind China is the United mm-hmm. States. So uh, domestic adoptions is about another 20, 25% of our um, adoption aid applicants. And then the other the other 30 or so percent, 30 to 40% is um, a variety of countries. Mm-hmm. If I could just interject something, I don't know if this is your experience, but when you say children are adopted from China with special needs or medical conditions, my experience has been that many of these are very small to American standards. They're very mm-hmm. small medical issues that many of them mm-hmm. can be corrected. So mm-hmm. I just want to communicate to our audience that if you are considering adoption and you're thinking about a child with special needs or medical issues, many, many, many times, these are issues that in the United States, we would consider very, really pretty small. So I wouldn't let that 
stop you if you're thinking of, you know, adopting. That's my personal experience. It could be very different from other people's, but um, I'm just such a child advocate and want to see so many more children adopted because I think it opens up a whole new world, not just for them, but for the families that they are adopted into. Emily, you have three lovely girls of your own, and I know you're you're a very busy yes. young mother. Would you see adoption as something you would want to do down the road, or are you too busy helping other people adopt? Oh, that's a great. Question. Or you don't even want to think about uh, I'll what more to do right now. I'll, I'll wait till my um, till my children are eleven yeah. and see what happens. Um, I feel like I have it coming to me, and and Grandma and Grandpa are planting seeds already. Um, currently, right now, I feel my schedule and my life feels very full. I'm privileged to be able to be alongside other families in the adoption process through my role at Show Hope, um, which I don't think I would be able to be serving in that capacity if um, God entrusted more children to me right now. (laughs) So I see my involvement currently as my role at Show Hope, but my husband and I have also learned to never say never. And so um, we're open to the idea, but not currently pursuing it. And you know, that kind of was an unfair thing. I think God has a great sense of humor. <laughs> That's all. <laughs> and, and, yes, yes, and you know I what? do too. And God's going to do what God's going to do whenever God wants to do it. So we'll just see how this all plays out. When you get to your parents' age and my age, you realize, A, we have no control over everything. We've just lived with this idea that we were making choices and had control, um, but God's totally in control. And he does have a great sense of humor. One of the greatest joys is watching your kids' parents. And having um, them start to see you with a whole new light, which is uh-huh. which yes. is really fun. So we're we're going to close here and um, over the next few minutes. And I really want to encourage any of our listeners who are out there who even thought for a few moments about adoption. My hope is that they will feel more encouraged about adoption. And I would love to hear Mary Beth, you and Stephen talk about. Overall, can you imagine what your life would have been like if you hadn't started a second round of children or adopted, you know, more children into your family? From a dad standpoint, I know, Stephen, your experience as a dad is very different from Mary Beth's because I assume she was a little more hands-on with all the kids because you were traveling. But as a father, yeah, how has adoption changed you? And what would you say to men out there whose wives are thinking, well, I think I'd like to adopt, but I'm, I, I really don't know. What would you like to say to those men? Mary Beth and I have often said this, and, and people have heard me say it. I, it's hard to imagine. Sometimes we kind of shudder to think what we could have missed and would have missed had we stayed you know, in our safe uh, predictable plan that we had for our life while while any our life has been anything but predictable on so many levels you know we we had our kind of our ideas and our plans and I love you know how scripture says it we make our plans but God directs our steps and I've been you know, again talking and thinking so much about how God has directed our steps in ways that we never would have imagined and you know for for me uh, as a dad on so many levels getting to watch what God did in my wife's heart, uh, watching you know her go from this place of, how can I do this? A lot of fear and, and questions and concern through adoption. And she tells it much better than I can, but God just uh, opened her heart to so much of a deeper understanding of grace and mm-hmm. her own adoption. And so getting to observe that, getting to watch that in her life, getting to watch how it transformed the lives of my sons mm-hmm. to become big brothers of these three little girls and their stories and where they came from and to see the men that my sons have become and even now the dad that one is and one's getting ready to become any day now, any hour now maybe. Yeah, I keep but, watching my phone. We're, late. We're yeah, waiting for somebody to go in we've got labor. a grandbaby <laughs> coming, Will Franklin, any hour uh, in the next four or five days. But, you know, watching these guys watching how it transformed them. Of course, watching Emily, you know, watching it transform her life to, uh, you know, to, to see this prayer that she'd prayed 
uh, you know, th- this miracle that she'd prayed and hoped for uh, unfold, and then how it would direct her path, and how God would use that, you know, to to even deepen her heart for with a passion for uh, for children, you know, in crisis, and to care for them, and now to do such great, brilliant work uh, that she's doing, and uh, and and then of course, you know, to get to be dad of Joey and Stevie Joy and and Maria and you know those that know our story and know that Maria went to be with Jesus nine years ago and you know we've walked through the darkest most you know unimaginable uh, journey as as parents and as a family and while we would do everything and anything we could to 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 change that and 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 undo that we we say that even with the heartache and the pain, only because we believe the story's not over yet, and we believe with all our hearts that that a day is coming when the tears are going to be wiped all from our eyes. That even with the heartache, um, we would not want to miss the joy, the the experience, the deepening of just our experience of you know when Jesus said, "I've come to give you life to the fullest." You know, I really believe for us, you know, it's. It, it's full or joy. It's 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 even opening yourself to even greater yeah. heartache uh, because you're going to experience all the extremes. I believe of life to the fullest, um, but uh, to to get to experience and see uh, that God is inviting us into this deeper experience of who He is and watching Him show up in ways that I mean, it's just it's crazy. It, it's it, to to see the ways that God has revealed Himself. In our lives and our journey, so much of that has come mm-hmm. through our experience of adoption. So many mm-hmm. ways that God has shown Himself to be so much more creative than we imagine. So much more winsome. Uh, you know, I, I mean, just just the things that the stories, and you go, okay, there's no way that you know that's not coincidence. And we hear that from families, you know, all the time. They say, once we started this journey, you know, we we watch God just show up in ways that we would have never ever experienced otherwise. Yeah. So anyway, that's just. Yeah. That's a little well, that, bit I could That's beautiful. On, so that's <laughs> beautiful. Thank you. Mary Beth, what would you want to say to women out there, young mothers, older mothers? I mean, there's certainly parents in their 40s and 50s considering adoption. What would you want to say to those mothers? Or maybe even the mothers who have already adopted who are sort of new at this whole process. You know, I used to, back when we were considering adoption, I felt like I got to a place where um, I was thinking, okay, old mom or no mom? Okay, I think I can be be an old mom. So, you know, yeah, old mom or no mom? Well, okay, showy needs a mom, so older as is, you know. But look, I've lived this now for, our showy is um, 18 years old. She's a senior in high school, and we're looking at colleges, and she's trying to figure out what her next steps are and I look at my husband and our other children and and I go we did this like we raised her like they it was a blink of an eye and they handed her to us as her as entrusted us with her as her family and now she's getting ready to jump out of the nest and 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 fly and I'm going I hope she flies no I know she'll fly she'll fly but I think there's probably some people listening to this podcast that are also um, in probably more difficult places. Mm-hmm. Adoption is hard. Adoption is is the greatest blessing that's ever come our way and it's also been it's it, like Stephen said the extremes are incredible that you experience and I would say to just trust God with the complete story because he really is revealing himself to you and it's why at Show Hope we, we even offer these pre and post adoption services for families who are walking through you know walking through a more difficult time with their adoption maybe they aren't feeling the things they thought they were going to feel maybe the children are are, um, you know, they didn't understand this whole attachment, you know, some of the attachment trauma that can come with being separated and, and, but there's, there's hope and there's help and there's really strong ways in which we can help some of these families. So whatever the journey is, whether it's going completely 
great and everything's good or whether people are out there struggling. I think if we as believers believe that God's invited us into this journey, into the story, if you know that, you know that, you know you're supposed to be a part of this thing called adoption, then God's going to give you what you need to continue to walk, you know, every day that journey. And that's what I have to remember. You know, we've had some bumps along the way, um, but God has shown Mm. up in in every way possible. Uh, Emily? Wow. (laughs) What would I say? Um, Well, speaking, if you could, to just back up and speak as a sibling. Now, I am assuming that most parents don't have an 11-year-old at home who's begging their parents to adopt (laughs) children, because I think that might be unique to the Chapman family. I could be wrong, but... Might be, it might be. I've met a couple. Uh, I've met a couple other eleven-year-olds. Not many, but and and I get the yes. death stares from their parents behind them, going, "Don't you yes. even? Don't you even encourage her?" I'm like, "Sorry, yes. <laughs> you should have brought her here to talk to me." No, just kidding. Yeah, but what would you? What would you want to say to parents who um, have their own children, who are who are considering adoption, but are concerned about the impact on their biologic children? Well, I. Man, I would just so encourage, clearly, it's got to be something that um, you know that God is moving your family toward, because as mom alluded to, there can be hard in the journey. Um, For me, it was something that I was very passionate about, and so it was easy to get on board with. I said earlier, I consider adoption one of the greatest blessings in my life. It's given me and my brothers a more robust understanding of what it means to be mm. family. Um, we've had to we've had to have conversations around the dinner table that, um, without being a family that has children that came home through adoption without being uh, an interracial family, we wouldn't have had these conversations. We we wouldn't have been afforded the opportunity to have these conversations. And now with my sisters becoming adults um, and growing up, they are participating in some really, really eye-opening conversations that I just, perspectives I would not have been um, afforded. And so it's amazing to be a part of the journey. Um, I think I still very much so see my involvement with my sisters as part of my adoption story and a commitment from me to care well for them um, means continuing to be invested in their lives and showing up at when they cheerlead and showing up when they have competitions, you know, and trying to just continue to be that sibling. And so for me, to parents, the impact, it's... um. It's beyond what you can imagine. It's the extremes that mom and dad talk to. It's the hardest of hard, but those hard times forge you into a stronger family than um, you were before. And the best times outweigh the painful times. Is that fair to say? Absolutely. Oh, yeah, no doubt. I always sum up when people are asking me about that. I just say I could have missed it. And to know that even with some of the difficulties, you know, I could have missed it. I could have missed the opportunity to spend the last 18 years watching this little human called Joey, you know, grow into all that God wants her to be and do and experience. And same with Stevie Joy. And and, and quite frankly, the five years that we had, Maria, mm-hmm. you know, I got to be her mom. And I got to hear her mm-hmm. ask Jesus to come live in her heart. And I hold on to that every day because there's a day coming that, you know, my my future is far greater with Maria than 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 the time that is behind us. And we know it's a blink. It just feels mighty long, doesn't it? Well, I would say too that just as as they're talking and and you know this is the the hope that we have. It's it has to be the hope that drives us and motivates us in the work we do with Show Hope because we often. You know, if we start looking at the need and start looking at, you know, we celebrate 6,000, you know, grants that we've helped families or, you know, these hundreds of children that we get to help through the work that we do in China. And then you look at the, you pull the scope out just a little bit and you go, that's a tiny drop in the bucket, you know, or you look at, you know, the hard that we know families are enduring and, and there's and knowing that even with all the greatest help that you know that there's still going to be hard in in some of these stories there's still hard and pain that we're going to 
limp through our journey, you know, uh, of our life towards heaven with this heartache and this heaviness that, uh, you know, that we will carry with us and, and our loss of Maria and all that that brings with it. And it all, for me, again, my remembering theme comes down to not only remembering our story and how God did all this amazing, these amazing things to bring about the work of Show Hope and what we get to be a part of, but it's remembering forward into the future and believing that every one of these lives and these children, you know, that, that are adopted, if it's hard, if it's incredibly difficult, the challenges, the joys, all of that, it is, it is all just the beginning of the story that God's telling and God's writing that's that's eternal and to to think that you know by these little ones that we brought into our family and our home for all of eternity the impact in their lives the fact that we will get to see this story continue to unfold all the way into into eternity, you know, to know that because our families have been woven together, and I don't know, obviously, none of us know how exactly that's going to work itself out in heaven. I just know it's going to be perfectly right, and we're going to realize that what God invited us into now as adoptive parents or those who come alongside families that have adopted, all of that is for eternity it's not even just for this life for the for the hard for the good for all that that ultimately this is uh these are eternally significant uh steps that we're taking and god's doing something that the story is going to keep unfolding for 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 ever and ever and ever amen i tell you god's plan is always so much bigger uh, than ours is and we see just this tiny little slice and yet he's got this as you said, this this massive uh, picture of us interwoven with our children for so much more time and more blessing and more joy. Stephen Curtis, Mary Beth Chapman, Emily Richards, this has been so delightful. Please tell our audience how they can connect with Show Hope or if they're interested in adopting or they need support for the adoption process How or they just want to support you and your work at Show Hope. How can people get involved with the work that you're doing? All of that can be found at www.showhope.org. It's a pretty amazing little website, so it's pretty easy to navigate around. Around and you can you can find everything there that tells you about if you if you're an adoptive family that wants to apply for a grant that information's there how to donate that information's there our work in China our work in the pre and post adoption services um, we have a student initiative if you're a student and want to get involved um, if you want to take a trip with us all of that's on the website I can't tell you how uh, grateful I am of your time you've been very gracious very generous with your time thank you so much. God bless you in your work and anything anything we can do to help get the word out about show hope or help in any way. Like I said, we too have a global audience. I'd love to help in any way that I can. So thank you so much. Well, thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. God bless. God bless. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. I want to thank my very special guests, Stephen Curtis and Mary Beth Chapman and Emily Richards. What an absolute joy and honor to have them join me right here on Parenting Great Kids. Friends, whether you're considering adoption, know someone who is, or interested in becoming involved in adoption care, you can learn more about the Show Hope organization at showhope.org. What a wonderful time this has been. And wherever you are in your family's journey, I hope you're encouraged and inspired by what you've heard today. So until next time, parents, remember, great kids are raised not born. Hey, this is Bobby, producer of Meg Meeker's Parenting Great Kids podcast. We hope you've enjoyed listening to episode 41, The Hope of Adoption. And thanks to you, Dr. Meg's Parenting Revolution has grown to over a million downloads. You can like Dr. Meeker on Facebook and follow her on Twitter and Instagram at MegMeekerMD. Just as a reminder, go to MegMeekerMD.com and sign up for her newsletter for giveaway opportunities and updates. And don't forget to share the podcast, write us a review, and click subscribe so you won't miss an episode.